Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus with producer Sanaa Marie. Each week, I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose the highs and lows of their pursuits and how through their passion they are moving the culture forward be sure to follow verbally effective and ina esco on instagram also download the verbally effective podcast on soundcloud itunes and google play music don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com from the Kitchen Group Catering Company, also from Paul and Rayford's Disco, and I'm hanging with my girl, Double E Ina Esco, on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Hey, yo, Mike, check one, two, one, two. It's DJ D-Nice, and I'm rocking with Double E Ina Esco with the Verbally Effective Podcast. Diamond S. Taylor is a creative entrepreneur, marketing consultant, and philanthropist based in Memphis, Tennessee. She is the founder and creative director of Friends and Company, a strategic marketing firm to help entrepreneurs and sidepreneurs streamline their startup processes. A native of Memphis, Tennessee, Diamond S. Taylor is a graduate of Christian Brothers University, where she received her bachelor's degree in business management, marketing, and related support services. She began her career as a project manager at Hunter Promotions, a marketing and street promotions company, while in college. Upon graduation, she interned at St. Jude Children's Research Hospital before joining FedEx, a Fortune 500 company, where she quickly advanced as a top sales executive earning the prestigious President's Club Sales Award twice. She relocated to Nashville to expand FedEx's portfolio and grow revenue in new territories while simultaneously starting her own company and building her brand. She is also a graduate of Embark, the New Memphis Institute's prestigious leadership program for young professionals. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco here. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to episode 142 of the Verbally Effective Podcast. I know you guys still been in the house quarantining and everything, but it is time to shed light on a beautiful young lady that has joined me today. She has an extensive background in corporate marketing, and she has ventured off on her own to start her own strategic marketing firm called Friends and Company. I have with me today, Diamond Taylor. How are you, beautiful? I'm great, Ina. I'm super excited to be here. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Verbally Effective Podcast. I know so many people are just going to enjoy hearing your story. And, um, you know, we kind of talked before the podcast began about, you know, working in corporate for so long and gaining all this experience and then actually taking the leap to start your own business. Because, you know, that corporate money be good, right? (laughs) Corporate money, corporate insurance, corporate benefits, okay. trips, corporate cars. Oh, I miss the traveling. Oh, that, 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 that's what I miss, that travel with that corporate card, honey. Right. <laughs> we're going to get into all of those things. But of course, we're going to start at the beginning, Diamond. What part of Memphis are you from? So I'm from Raleigh, and I say that because I grew up, I went to... Um, Pregma High School. So as I was growing or gaining my in- independence from my parents, Riley. But originally, I'm a Peachtree Apartments in Frazier. Okay. Um, we were there until about the third grade. 
and then we moved to the Summit apartment. So that started the Raleigh journey and then to the Scenic Hills area, which is where I spent most of my life growing up in Memphis. Wow. Now, when you were out there in Raleigh, uh, you know, what were you into, Diamond? What were you doing out there at Peachtree? Like, what was Diamond into growing up? Like, from a young girl, Diamond, you remember them days? nothing because my mama wouldn't <laughs> let me do nothing <laughs> you said your mama wouldn't let you do nothing uh, my mama was strict honey. very strict but um during high school i went to craigman high school i was very involved i ran track cross country um okay. council just different things being involved in the school um, okay. so i did a lot of things and then of course you know my senior year worked I worked at the uh, Wolf Chase Mall at Lids. Okay. Oh, you had a cute little Lids job, honey. Honey, yes. My boyfriend at the time loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I know he did. <laughs> wow. That's funny you mentioned Lids, girl, because just this weekend, I took my oldest son Dallas to Lids, and he was like, I've never been in this store. I said, boy, this store is so old. <laughs> I have a time in there honey yes yes all the custom hats you want you know and he didn't know they came in sizes and stuff the young lady was helping him but um that's funny that you just mentioned Liz but are you an only child or do you have any siblings I have siblings and I I'm actually from a blended family honestly so in my household I'm the oldest and then I have a younger sister who's three years younger than I am so she's 27 um, and then I have a little brother who's 19. He actually wow. went to his first year, freshman year in college in Dayton, Tennessee. Wow. Um, and so we're super close knit siblings, which I'm excited because it wasn't always like that for me and my sis, my sister and I. So I'm just super wow. excited to have moved back home and to develop that close knit relationship with my siblings for sure. yeah that's a good thing when you can you know when we get older things change we get closer to our siblings I know it happens like that in a lot of families but let's talk about when you graduated Craigmont what did you do Diamond uh so when I graduated Craigmont I went to Christian Brothers University okay. um I honestly during that time I also uh I was working at Lids, but then I had transitioned to another job at the Rendezvous in downtown Memphis. Oh, the legendary Rendezvous. Yes, the legendary. Um, owned and operated by the family for 70 years. Um, oh, and so transitioned to Christian Brothers, where that just opened up a world of possibility. You know, at the time, coming from Craigman High School, predominantly African-American and Black school, and then transitioning to Christian Brothers, which, of course, predominantly a white university. And just, you know, the interactions mm -hmm. were a bit different than what I was used to. However, I was very intentional about making sure I interacted with everyone and developed relationships with a lot of people that I call friends that I necessarily wouldn't have met if I didn't go to that university. Yeah. So I'm grateful for that experience. Um, coming from Craigmont High School, started my love for marketing with Miss Ma in a program called DECA, then going to Christian Brothers and wanting to study and having my degree in marketing um, really just opened the floodgates to my professional career in sales with FedEx. Wow. So while you were over there at Christian Brothers, you know, studying all the fundamentals of marketing, what were some of your favorite courses? And, you know, what really grabbed you and pulled you into marketing uh, at Christian Brothers when you were going through your curriculum? Um, honestly, I had a really great teacher. Her name was Jenny Cowell. She actually would, we would get to go to New York every oh. year, not every year, but I feel like my junior and maybe even senior year, we would go to New York. There was a marketing and advertising conference. And so to see all the brands on stage and meet the marketing and advertising 
advertising directors, the people behind the campaigns that you see on actual TV, you know, the mm -hmm. ads, anything that you saw in the magazines and to get to talk to the people that were actually either creating it or developing the strategy behind it. I said, wow, this is just super cool, super cool way to put a business in the forefront of a mass audience. So agency life always really attracted me. And I actually wanted to move to New York. Um, I don't know what happened. I don't think I really like intentionally pursued that agency path. Mm -hmm. And I just stayed, stayed in Memphis. Um, yeah. And got hired at FedEx. Wow. So you immediately got hired with FedEx uh, after graduation? No. So I graduated in May of 2011. And at that time, I was still working at the Rendezvous. And I actually was making really good money because by that time, I had moved up to working behind the bar. Okay. And um, I graduated in May. I was looking for jobs. I mean, I applied everywhere. Enterprise made it to the third and final interview. They wouldn't hire me. Hmm. Paychecks made it to the third and final interview. They wouldn't hire me. And some other company, but it was like every interview I went on, I would make it to the last one. Yeah. And no job. So I was just one day I was just super sad. I'm like, I'm going to be working at this restaurant forever. <laughs> and then I was like, well, it's good money, but I just don't want to be on my feet. Like this. Right, right. That was just a test, honey. That was just a little test before the big bang. Yes. So in October, 2011, um, October 3rd, 2011, I actually got hired by FedEx, um, third and final interview. And there was a woman, two black women on the panel, actually Blanche Bond Hudson. Um, she ended up being my manager. And I honestly believe that's one of the reasons that I was hired. Um, at FedEx in sales. So, wow. Yes, yeah, shouts out. Now, you know, FedEx is like uh, the company uh, here in Memphis. Uh, headquarters are here. Um, FedEx is such a huge conglomerate uh, with business. And, you know, Memphis, you know, we're right in the middle of distribution from any angle. So, you know, that's a major accomplishment working at FedEx corporate. I used to, oh, I'm like, oh, I want to go work at FedEx corporate. I know they're making that money, boom, boom, boom. But I would never leave, you know, the company that I was loving so much at the time. But um, tell me about your experience, you know, on this entry position into FedEx and how did your journey go at FedEx in marketing? Gotcha. Um, so FedEx, you know, they have a lot of different op codes. So it's FedEx Express, FedEx Ground, FedEx Corporate, and FedEx Services, and then trade networks and all that. So I specifically in sales, I worked for FedEx Services. And honestly, my initial role was working um, in the building near the, um, actually in East Memphis first, but we ended up across from the airport, that area, that airport. And I was in inside sales. So basically, I would have to make 15 um, sales calls a day was the minimum. So, of course, I'm like, well, I'm going to make 18 mm -hmm. <laughs> sales calls every day and basically had to grow the revenue for the business. So basically convince or persuade customers that FedEx was the right fit for their business as it relates to transportation. Because in the industry, there's really two big competitors, mm -hmm. FedEx and UPS. Now, the post office is a competitor with some services, especially with their flat rate. But honestly, it was selling FedEx to customers and saying, hey, this is why you should choose us, submitting um, pricing proposals, emails, communication, following up on issues you know package tracking damages all types of things and so I was in that role for prop for about honestly five years mm -hmm. before I even started to apply for what's called a field sales job which is basically I would be doing the same thing that I was doing but I would actually get to visit my customers go in their businesses have meetings with them have more entertainment I could take mm -hmm. them to football games to dinners to lunches yeah. concerts and all of that and um so I applied for a field sales job actually in D.C. and Nashville, got both of them, and then decided on Nashville. Oh, decide. Why Nashville? 
Well, honestly, it from a revenue pers- from the money perspective, they offer more money for the Nashville position, and then the money is longer in Nashville than it is in DC. <laughs> right, right. Wow. But you know, yeah. you're still traveling anyway, wherever you want to go. Damn you. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I, I, I sometimes think about how my life would have been different if I would have went to DC. But I think everything, you know, happens for a reason. True, true. Now, when you moved to Nashville, how was that transition for you? How having been in Memphis for so long and then, you know, starting a, a new role and a new life in Nashville. It's not that far away, but I know there are differences, right? Yes, honestly, the Nashville, I love Nashville. I know the Memphis and Nashville have a thing going on, but I love Nashville. And especially yeah. at that time, how old was I? I think I was maybe 20. Ah, 26 maybe i'm 31 now and they were going through a lot of growth then right yes yeah yes. and um you know i'm trying to i think i was about 25 or 26 but it was nice i was living in downtown Nashville. <laughs> had a little change i could go out whenever the airport i mean flights everywhere so yeah. me and my friends we getting on the plane on the weekends and mm-hmm. then of course Working for FedEx, I would have standby privileges. So sometimes I would just go and see my friends in other markets. Yeah. And I loved being in Nashville, um, moving there and making friends. Luckily, because Nashville isn't so far from Memphis, I had a, I knew some people that were there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I got plugged in with other people in Nashville um, through the relationship I made with this girl named Angel Coopwood. And so just because she was a native Nashville, Nashvilleian, and she introduced me to her friends. So I really had a great group of solid people around me. And I actually miss Nashville quite a bit, honestly. Quite How long ago was it that you moved back? I've been back in Memphis a year now. Okay, so not that long, not that long. What brought you back to Memphis, Diane? Well, starting the business, honestly, um, really... And it kind of happened, now that I think about it, I think everything happened intentionally. Um, So in my apartment, when I moved to Nashville, I never moved. I I don't like moving one. And so the place that I moved to Nashville and I stayed there the entire time. Mm -hmm. And then as my lease was coming up, they sent out this mass email saying, hey, we're not renewing any more leases because we're turning this apartment into an Airbnb property. Wow. And so I was like, dang, I don't want to have to look. I love where I am. I didn't want to have to look. And then at that time, I was going through a lot of, um, I guess, personal growth. Because even with the job, I was not into it anymore. I did want to wake up. I didn't want to talk to customers. I didn't I have no, I mean, I think now because it was meant for me to start this business. Like the brand was, this brand was dropped in my head, the Lord dropped the gym and the brand name in my mind in 2018. Okay. And so I would help business friends just on the side, like, hey, they need help with this. Um, I helped a friend, Angel, actually, with Suppertime Social, which was a pop-up dinner party in Nashville, Mm -hmm. and we would organize it, and I would manage the social media and things Mm -hmm. like that. I would help another friend with certain things for their business, organizing steps. And so that was, it was just really freelance me doing, and then, of course, FedEx. Um, And I think it just at that time, this was what I was meant to do. And because I wasn't walking truly in that purpose, I was not happy with what I was doing. And I couldn't explain it to, it didn't make sense because every goal that I had uh, wanted, FedEx allowed me the opportunity to do that. So when it comes to me saying, hey, I wanted to make six figures by 30, I did that at 24. When I wanted to travel the world, you know, I won uh, at FedEx. It's an award called President's Club, which is really Mm -hmm. the top salespeople every year. They get to go to a different country. Mm -hmm. So winning that twice, I was able to go to Australia and Monaco. And being able to see different things, FedEx allowed me every opportunity. So at one point, I'm like, well, why aren't you grateful? Like, you've been Mm -hmm. doing this and... You don't, you're trying to figure out where you want to go next because I've been in that role in a while, but where I thought I wanted to go, which was a worldwide 
account manager, they manage brands and the entire brand like Amazon and Apple, Mm -hmm. their entire, so they have to travel across the states to every distribution center. Me being in Nashville, I only had that one area. And so I thought I wanted to do that, but then I was like, no, that's so much travel. And if I know eventually I want to have a family, that's a role you can't, you know, once you get up there, you don't want to yeah that position and I'm just it just I just didn't know where to go and Mm -hmm. I think I just felt stuck yeah um and then with the apartment saying they were no longer renewing leases um with me saying you're not even really happy Mm -hmm. here in this role anymore you know you don't want to be a sales manager you know you don't want to be a what wham anymore worldwide account manager and you're not even doing that great of a job in the role anymore you know I can tell that you weren't into it anymore (laughs) so I think it was like well you want to come home you Mm want to feel death in your relationships with your family your parents are getting older so yeah everything happened at once and yeah isn't that amazing how you know like you said you was feeling like why am I not grateful for all of these opportunities that FedEx afforded me right now and you know it's that nagging feeling like oh I need to be doing something else like I I I totally empathize with you diamond like I I know um how you were feeling um you know what was it that actually pushed you to make that leap where you said, okay, putting in the resignation with FedEx and I'm starting friends and company. I know that was a task for you. So tell me about that. (laughs) You know, I've only told this story probably two times because I'm ashamed and embarrassed. Don't be ashamed of the story. Come on, girl. These people need to hear it. I didn't quit in the right way, Emma. What what you did? You did show up. (laughs) I did not do it right at all. And I I have that's why I haven't told the story because I'm even like, Diamond wouldn't do that. That was not honestly Ina, What happened, Diamond? I got to know now. We all gotta know. Oh, and I have not, honestly, Ina, it felt like an out-of-body experience. Mm-hmm. It really did. Like looking back on it, I'm like, who was that? And when I tell it, people are like, what? But um I had been thinking about it for a while. And then before I even was thinking about it, I had started going to therapy because it's like, okay, I need to really just work out some uh, stuff and really make this make sense. Because, you know, friends and company, you making a little change, but it ain't this change. Right, right. You know you're not going to have insurance. Um, the funds in your 401k looking good. You're not still going to be able to contribute to that as much as you have been. You love fine dining, going <laughs> out to eat on a regular. Um, you love traveling. Mm-hmm. So if you do this, the lifestyle that you love and have gotten accustomed it's change to, drastically. I mean, night and day. And so, uh, it, but it had been nagging me for a while. And then at one point, I was like, I can't keep having the same I I just can't keep letting my manager down like you know that whole situation and um so I was it was actually Mother's Day weekend Mother's Day weekend two years ago in Memphis I um when I come home I stay with different friends at the time like okay well I'm gonna spend time with this friend on this trip or this friend and so I was putting in what we call call notes. So after every um, meeting we have with a customer, we have a customer relationship management tool, a CRM, where we have to put in call notes that basically talk about what we did with the client. And I was putting those in. I was just talking to her and I was like, you know what, I'm going to quit. And she was like, what, are you sure? I was like, I don't know. And then I just, you know, went back to work preparing my presentations for the next day um and so I got up early Monday it was probably five in the morning five and uh Monday morning I drove to Nashville you know that's about a three-hour drive and one of my clients called me and was like hey Diamond um we're having an issue with this package it said it would be here then 
and we're just having some challenges located and I told my customer this that, and the other and so I then call what we call the ramp to call, like, hey, where's this package? Can I come pick it up? Uh, my client really needs it because it's already been delayed. And so I went by the ramp, which is the airport in Nashville, um, picked up the package for the client. And then I, uh, and again, I'm not even dressed, you know, I'm still in my Nike jumpsuit or whatever, but I'm like, getting this is on the way, then I'll go home, put on my suit, get suited and booted for the day. So after I picked up the package, I, uh, I took my work phone and just erased all settings like I was like you know what I don't think I want to do this anymore after that call and erased all the you know factory settings and um I was like wow what made you do you know this is me talking to myself I got and did it already but I'm like okay so and next thing I know I'm driving to the office um because we will work out of the station so my station was in Brentwood Tennessee that's where my clients were and I dropped the package off there and then I went to the admin, her name is Wanda, and I said, hey, Wanda, and I had my computer and the phone was cleared, so there was no client history, no emails, everything was deleted. Yeah, swiped it clean. <laughs> yes. and I just went in there, I said, hey, Wanda, I can't, I think I said, hey, Wanda, I'm so sorry to do this, but I just cannot do this work anymore. Mm. at the ramp you at the ramp with this when i had drove i picked up the client's package okay. from the you went back to brentwood to your office mm. oh wanda i can't do it no more and yeah she's my admin and what uh, she say <laughs> she was like what diamond and i said yeah i'm so sorry because this is not the way that i wanted it and she said well you know your manager is out of town He's in Puerto Rico. Can you just wait? <laughs> you right. know. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, you can wait. You know, get you another check. And, you know, you can do some little stuff. He out the country, actually. Wasn't out of town. He was out of the country. Right. But what came out of my mouth, Ina? What'd you say? I no, said, I can't no. wait. I said, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I cannot. And gave her the laptop. And left. And the whole time, my inner voice was like, what are you doing? Like, stop, slow down. But the stuff that could, that was coming out of my mouth just was not. That out-of-body experience. Yeah, that's why I say it was just out-of-body. Because looking back on it, I'm still like, what in the world? Mm -mm -mm. that's a moment that I'm actually ashamed about it because you know in a corporate like honestly my file does say it probably says ineligible for rehire and Mm. I spent 10 years there building relationships with people great connections and for me to leave in that way I just it is one thing that I've been you know was that your last communication with FedEx when you turned in uh, your phone and your, your uh, laptop to Wanda? Was that it right there? Did you have to follow up with your boss at any point or that was it? That was, <laughs> that was it. that on it. My, you know, my coworkers and stuff, we keep in touch and they call me for sure, call me afterwards and things like that. But yeah, that was it. Wow. So that began the new journey, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, (laughs) two weeks later I had came to Memphis and luckily I had a friend that was okay with me um staying with her for a few months and I uh I stayed with her um and yeah that began the journey I got my first client and it's so funny now that I think about it because I got my first uh, paying client for my hire my signature service in October you know I started working at FedEx in October, mm. seven, you know, 2011. So to get my, now that I'm thinking about it, to get my first paying client, high paying client, high ticket client with friends and co in October of last year. Wow. So you're a year in now, Diamond, with friends and co. So tell the verbally effective audience about friends and co and, um, you know, some of the things that you noticed that entrepreneurs were struggling with that you f- you felt that you could, you know, fill that gap in. Tell me about Friends & Co. 
So friends and co is really um, is honestly short for my friends and their companies. So basically, when I was helping them, I was like, "Well, my friends and their businesses," but friends and companies just sounded better. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how the brand was started. But me working with FedEx and working with the businesses that I worked with, so I was able to work with Amazon. I was able to work with. Sex. I was able to work with Apple. I was able to work with Technicolor. I was able to work with large brands, um, you know, government relationships. Um, and then in my role in Nashville, being able to see people on the smaller end of business. And I don't say small meaning revenue because they were making millions. Mm. billions of dollars as far as their gross revenue but smaller because it was you know one to five people and they were able to produce that much revenue so seeing how they operated seeing how they took the money to reinvest seeing how they were doing in marketing like my client base you know they they they're shipping or transportation that they spent on that per year was anywhere from $60,000 a year to about $300,000 a year. And that was just shipping. So to see them operate, I was able to get in their business because part of selling FedEx is selling the technology. So that's how to make it easier to ship with us. Hey, we can get you a scanner where you'll be able to just scan this and it pre-populates. So now you don't have any the, um, human area error when it comes to typing in your addresses or we can integrate in your order processing system so when you click a button and automatically pre-populate but then they were like well I need you to integrate with my QuickBooks so that can and it was just a lot of different things where I was able to see the holistic view of the business because I had to understand how to position FedEx the best way to make the sale Mm-hmm. Um, so with me seeing that and knowing what I knew about my friends' businesses, there were really two things. One was the mindset. Mm-hmm. I think particularly with us or with our community, being either first generation high earners, our goal is to hold on to the money. Mm-hmm. However, what I was seeing in the field was that they use money as a tool to reinvest and grow their businesses or reinvest it to make money. So money was more so a tool. And even with me, it's like, I'm trying to save and hold on to it, but it's not doing anything for me just So the first thing was the mindset. The second thing was from a finance and accounting perspective, you don't even know the numbers. Like, People always want to start with marketing first. And honestly, that should be the ass in. I mean, sorry. That should be the end mm-hmm. of, uh, that's where you need to start last. Yeah. Like every business needs to have uh, access to someone in the legal field and an accountant because the legal person is going to show you this is what you need to do to set up. And the accountant is going to say, this is how much you have to invest. This is how you should break down your operating budget, your your marketing costs, your product costs. How are you going to do your gross margins? And all of those things I felt were missing from the businesses that I was even helping from friends. And so I feel like if you're not set up right on the front end, as you grow and scale, it's going to become a mess. Mm -hmm. And now you're going to have a huge mess and keeping up with that and trying to hire people, um, grow. It's just not going to be easy for you. So it's really, let's set the foundation here, right. Mm -hmm. And then let's put those other blocks on top of it so you can grow and scale and be able to hire talented people in our communities that look like us. Wow. So you are really setting up that foundation for, you know, your friends, right? You're really (laughs) setting that foundation And, and you're right. Like all of the things that you just spoke about, the mindset getting the numbers right. Um, We do focus on marketing first because we want to get that product out there any kind of way. Uh, We're going to put it on Instagram. We're going to put it on Facebook. We're going to make this money, but none of the front end has been handled yet, right? (laughs) Honestly, even with marketing, I don't, some people, they just think Facebook and Instagram is enough. But honestly, Mm -hmm. with marketing as a small business, the competitive advantage is that you're small. And so you should be able to provide the best service 
in the world. And I don't think enough people focus on the customer journey enough. Like, how can you make it as easy as possible for a client to purchase from you? Mm-hmm. And I don't think a lot of people focus on that. I honestly think social media has made people think that their followers are fans and that mm-hmm. I'm the, no, you, these people trying to spend money with you. You need to build a relationship, build a community. So they tell other people right. that likely to spend money, to spend money with you instead of somebody else. There's millions of brands out there. there are over 500 million people that use IG a day. So a day. Oh, so, <laughs> so, so would you say, Diamond, that maybe social media has crippled us in a sense? No, I think the mindset around social that a person has around social media can be crippling. Yeah. Um, I think if you're not intentional in having an actual strategy, like why are you even on social media? Mm-hmm. Like I tell my clients, if you can't be consistent with the content that you post, don't even get on social media. Let's just build a one-to-one relationship with everybody in your audience or everybody that's in your portfolio of customers. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things at, <clears throat> that I learned from FedEx is how do you increase your share of wallet? You have a list of this many people, but only the top, you know, the top 20% of customers or whomever give you give a business 80% of their overall revenue. Mm-hmm. So how do you get the people outside of the 20 to spend see value the eight twenty rule mm-hmm. wow yeah. yes yes that corporate talk baby eight <laughs> twenty rule wow so where do you see friends and company going diamond and um what type of clients uh do you have how would you describe your client base right now and where do you see it going Okay, so right now I have a mixture of clients and that's one thing I'm really wanting to niche down to work with a certain industry. So I have a um, Keystone Tax Solutions. They're my client that's on retainer um, and they are a software as a service company. So they sell tax software to tax preparers, but where their competitive advantage is is that they offer customer support. So if a tax preparer is having an issue or they need help with marketing, they can literally pick up the phone, call Keystone, and Keystone will either walk them through the problem, get them an answer, or say, okay, this is where you're struggling with marketing your tax preparation business. Try these tips. They give a lot of resources around education um, with their Keystone Tax School to help tax preparers succeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have some e-commerce brands that I've been working with. And then from time to time, I do work with, um, Paula, Paula Rayford, um, mm-hmm. at the disco. She has, um, Robert Rayford day, a day to commemorate her dad every year. And so we work together on that. And she's actually going to be open this week for Halloween. It's Halloween this week. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Saturday, Saturday, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So she's back up for Halloween. Have your mask on. <laughs> Um, and I honestly see the business, honestly, in five years, I want to have 1,100 clarity coaches. So that's basically 1,100 people in the discipline of finance and accounting, marketing, legal, and operations. I wanted to become an on-call help desk for entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, because a lot of times the operating budget to have an attorney on staff just isn't there right then, but they still need the legal support. So I want friends and company to be who anyone that has a business or wants to start a business can call, hey, I need help setting up. Think about friends and co. Hey, I need to talk to attorney. These are your options. Um, This is what you should do. Um, I want a friends and co building. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, and I'd like to, I want it to look like a home, kind of like a restoration hardware type of feel, yeah. and then have people be able to test out their concepts in different rooms um, mm-hmm. until they're ready to have their own either brick and mortar or kind of whatever they want to do. But that's where I see it going. It sounds so good, Diamond, um, what you're building and how you're you know, helping your friends, these entrepreneurs 
get more organized and, um, you know, get ahead of the game and being proactive on the front end, because that's only going to help in the long term. So um, I applaud you for the work that you're doing. And, you know, we are definitely in a pandemic and these COVID cases are rising. How has this entire pandemic affected your world overall? what so when I came back I actually I actually um when I came back to Memphis I started back working at the rendezvous as a manager so I was doing that maybe two or three days a week but then of course friends and co and so when COVID hit of course you know restaurants completely shut down but then my clients needed more communication to their clients Mm -hmm. so I had to create E- more email campaigns or send out more emails because I do work with the communication piece as far as that customer journey and building community. That's one of the services offered. So more of my clients needed more and more communication. Um, one of my clients, um, Cliff, which is a nonprofit here that focuses on, you know, no say no to distracted driving. She had to produce a virtual conference because she wasn't a, she had to use the funds that she was given from the state. She had to produce a virtual conference. I helped her with that, plugged her with all the right resources and we were able to produce a conference. So there were a lot of different things that actually increased my revenue mm-hmm. with COVID. And I'm, and I'm grateful for that because that isn't the case for a lot of businesses. And so honestly, during COVID, I was actually able to really focus on what the mission of Friends and Company is, and it's to empower entrepreneurs on their entrepreneurial journey in every stage. So that's the startup, that's when you're in it, and then when you're ready to reinvest in trusted help to actually do the work for you so you can focus on the business. As the CEO, your goal is to think about the business five and 10 years from now, and so not spend your time on tasks that you should be outsourcing. Yes. So that pandemic, uh, this pandemic has increased your business. I I find that with quite a few entrepreneurs, like, you know, there are many pros and cons to this pandemic, but for a lot of business owners that I know, like it's really, you know, kind of giving them insight into other areas they've been needing to focus on, which they found to been more profitable. (laughs) So you say, so, um, one more thing I want to talk to you about, Diamond, um, because I know that you're well-connected. Um, you are very strategic in what you do, intentional in about what you do. So talk to the people about this upcoming election, girl. So, you know, it, early voting is going on right now in the city of Memphis, in Tennessee. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on this upcoming election? And um, why is it so critical right now for people to get out and vote this 2020? Uh, so, you know, I, I try to stray away from politics, um, but I do, um, I, am, I think, one, this election is super important because of the issues that are at stake. Um, everybody can see everything that's going on with the news. Um, with the debates if you're watching them and I'm not gonna I have already early early voted but I think that this election is super important because of what's at stake from a humanity perspective and I think both both sides like you know some people are saying both candidates are not that great but I think if you look at holistically from a humanity perspective I think there's a clear decision that should be made. Um, However, I think that people need to take civic engagement a lot more serious, not just in this election, but all elections. And I think specifically take more seriously the local elections, because those things are going to affect you today and right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Presidential elections, most definitely their effects, but there are slow rolling effects that you feel, you know, maybe three years from yeah. when decision. Almost when they're going out of office, you know. Exactly. And so the local ones, people need to get engaged, but they should be more informed mm-hmm. about it. I think people should really be intentional about researching candidates proactively before going in the into the polls, but understanding why each office exists. 
And I think uh, it's hard to do that, though. It's time consuming. You know, if you really just, even with the local election, deciding between all the candidates, they are going to their website, reading their website, but then reading their website, not with the biases that they put on right. there, but then saying, well, this role doesn't even do what you're talking about you can do. So why are you saying this? So it's... Um, I think civic engagement as a whole is just super important and everybody should become an informed voter. Um, yeah, everybody should be informed about their future because basically they affect policy, you know, economics, mm -hmm. criminal, justice, healthcare, all those things. And I think you really, people should be more intentional about vote, voting locally as well. And you said you early voted. How was that experience for you? I was in and out. I went at the place across 201 Pop. I didn't go the first week because I knew it was just going to be a ruckus. But um, I was in and out. Went to uh, the place downtown across from 201, I think. Um, and I was literally in and out. In and out. People were nice. Everybody was masked up. Mm -hmm. Sanitizer. Got <laughs> sticker. <laughs> yeah, well, then that's good for you because you look at these other states and people are in these long lines, not social distancing. Like, how do you do that when you're trying to vote and all of these people are here? Um, so that's pretty good that you were in and out like that. And, you know, I don't have the luxury. I'm out here in DeSoto County in Mississippi. I don't have the luxury of early voting. We're the only state. <laughs> that <laughs> does not do early voting. So, you know, I'm trying to see how that line going to look uh, on election day, but I will be there, you know. Um, one more thing. Now, you know, they say long lines, that's um, voter suppression. So there's a hot Yeah, line. you know, we, we, we suppress all kinds of ways around here, honey, but uh, especially in Mississippi. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, Diamond, if you were to pick me up and we go and get some drinks, what would you be bumping in that ride when you pull up to my house, honey? What's going to be playing in that car? You know, it really depends on the mood. You know, I could mm -hmm. throw a little doll for a little guy on. Okay. You know, but then I, <laughs> you know, just this morning, I listened to a little David Ruffin. Yeah, um, that pimping. Uh, oh, you on that pimping too. Yeah, you know, a little Bobby Womack. Uh, Look, when I turned the uh, Zoom on, you listen to some SZA, honey. Yes. <laughs> uh, I said, oh, she in the SZA mood this morning. <laughs> yeah, so it, honestly, it really depends on my mood. I think lately, let's see what's on my Apple Music favorite. Mm -hmm. You know, they give you their favorites mix. Oh, yeah, I love the mixes they create for me. I love so They know me. <laughs> Yes, they like, Ooh. So I have a little Masego. I love him mm -hmm. um, with the sax. Um, Victoria Monet. Okay. Um, Albie Shore is on there. David Ruffin is on there. Uh, Party Next Door. Mm -hmm. So do you listen to music while you work? I do. I do. I usually listen to more of a softer tune, so more like the internet and Masego type mm -hmm. of sax or just soft because I don't know like what would you consider the genre for the internet because I don't are they R&B are they like a neo R&B you know they're like a mixture because they do so much with instrumentation you know um I think they're categorized they may be categorized as pop I want to say I don't think they're in that full R&B category they may kind of swivel between the lines but I like the internet they they are really you know different <laughs> I like how they sound. It's a different sound. Yes. Um, Beach instrumentals is one thing I listen to because it's a lot of different, like you said, sounds, but no lyrics. So I can right, right. Okay, what's up? You can hang, honey. We got that music in common too. You know what, Diamond? I have really enjoyed you today on the Verbally Effective Podcast. We've learned so much about your journey and you know i wish you the best of luck with friends and company um you're doing some amazing work helping them build a foundation for their companies uh looking at that long-term picture right because that's what a lot of these entrepreneurs need to be focused on that long term what's going to keep you stabilized yeah. out in this market right now uh building towards the future so i applaud you for that i want you to let everybody know how they can 
keep in touch and see all of the wonderful things that Diamond Taylor is doing, honey? Well, most definitely follow um, the Friends and Company Instagram. It's Higher Friends and Co. And that's H-I-R-E Friends and Co. But also you can visit the website Higher, H-I-R-E Friends and Co. dot com. And specifically for verbally effective listeners, I have HireFriendsAndCo.com backslash verbally effective. Boom. Special offer um, for your listeners um, for a clarity conversation, but then also sign up to the mailing list. I'm starting that back. Um, this month, actually, since it's my year anniversary, but also I'm starting a video interviews where the first one I'm releasing is actually with Paula about her journey as a business owner and um, how she basically inspiration for other business owners with some tips and just different things for them to think about. So, Amazing. Yes. Congratulations on your upcoming one year anniversary. Thank you. So um, I know that's a huge milestone for you, lady. It yes. is. It yes. Is. Feel good, don't it? Feel good. I'm still here. Now I'm like, I'm going to make sure I'm here for year two. Five and ten. You're going to do it. You're going to figure it out. You're going to figure it out, Diamond. I really appreciate you, lady. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, You are indeed an inspiration. Um, I can't wait for everybody to hear this on Monday. And I just want to, um, you know, let you know that, you know, we are all watching. We are all inspired. Um, Stay encouraged in what you're doing, okay? Thank you so much, Ina. Thank you for the opportunity to chat with you today you're welcome you have a good one and i will be in touch it's gonna be me on that clarity call honey for ivy multimedia baby yes ma'am you know the first one you get to choose your name your own price so you know oh okay well look, let me sign up now honey because i know you expensive <laughs> it's an investment okay i'm saying oh i'm all about it i, I hey you got to charge what you're worth. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. Charge what you are worth. You know, some people like, oh, they not going to pay for that. Hey, they need to pay for that. Like, don't cut your money short. Yes, yes. I'd love to chat with you. So I'll send you everything. But yes, yes, please. Please. Thank you, Diamond. You have a lovely day, lady. Yes, Thank you. Bye-bye.